Greetings and welcome to the audio etheric transmission The Tales of Sage and Savant, a Twin Star production. This broadcast is brought to you on the first of each month from the Twin Star Studios in sunny Southern California. Our tale stars Eddie Louise as Dr. Petronella Sage, Chip Michael as Professor Erasmus Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Mix Abigail Entwistle, and myself, Justin Bremer, as your humble narrator. Special guest in this episode is Anne-Marie Gomez as Hilaria. This month's program, entitled The Accidental Tourist, is sponsored by our friends at Steamy Tech and features the music of Red Light District. And now, without further ado, we bring you the tales of Sage and Savant. When last we left our heroes, they had returned from a visit to ancient China and an encounter with one of the nine immortals of the Tao. New ideas and philosophies from this encounter have had an effect on Dr. Sage's research, but I cannot spare a moment to go into those things now. We have an urgent situation that calls our attention at this very moment, and there is no time for philosophical ruminations on the mechanics of time travel. I regret to inform you, ladies and gentlemen, that one of our own is in dire peril. This is not real. You are hallucinating, Abigail. Snap out of it. This cannot be real. Hey, I saw that! I was hungry! This, this is just a dream! How can I be hungry in a dream? But it must be a dream! Everyone is dressed in sandals and togas! The houses are wrong! They're, they're too short, made of jumbled stone! You, mad woman, come with me! No, I cannot! I must find somewhere to hide! Yes, you poor daft thing! That is what I'm doing! Helping you to hide! Come! I have refrained from commenting, as Mix Entwistle's peril had me quite tongue-tied, but I must inform you, dear listeners, that Abigail is not dreaming. She is in ancient Rome. Pompeii, to be exact. Say what? Come! Not only has Abigail managed to transmigrate to ancient Pompeii, but neither the doctor nor the professor are anywhere to be found, and the young researcher has gotten onto a spot of a bother. Thinking herself to be dreaming, Abigail has stolen food, which would not be a problem if she were in the arms of Morpheus. Unfortunately, in ancient Pompeii, the all-too-real punishment for manifest thievery, or theft with a witness, is death. Who are you? Why are you helping me? My name is Hilaria. I faced the Furtum over a charge of manifest theft myself. Uh, the Furtum? The law, dummy. How do you not know this? Uh, dreams don't have laws. This is not a dream. Why would you think that? And who are you anyway? I'm Max Abigail Entwistle, research fellow at King's College and trusted assistant to Max James Cunningham of the Medical and Physical Sciences Department. None of that made any sense. <laughs> As if being rescued by a girl named Hilarious makes sense. <sighs> Hilaria. That's what I said. Hilarious. That is a name that could only appear in a dream. I'm obviously taking the piss. You cannot urinate in here. I'm not having a piss. I'm taking a piss. Pulling my leg, have one over on my waking self. You are very strange, Mix. Will your father be looking for you? My father? Mix James Cunningham? Uh, Max is not my name. It's my honorific. Just call me Abigail. Shh. 
are they gone? We should wait a few minutes more. Sometimes they double back. Uh, where did you come from anyway? I told you, King's College. Why? You are obviously not from Pompeii. <gasps> Pompeii? Well, yes. Where did you think you were? In my bed. At King's College? In the laboratory? Uh, no, oh, I must be in bed at the Coventry lodgings. Having a very strange dream. It's the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> Pompeii. I do not understand these words. Coventry, King's College. But you are most definitely in Pompeii, and I can prove it. Follow me. There, see that mountain? Uh, the one that's smoking? That is Mount Vesuvius. We are in Pompeii. <gasps> I'll be polluted. Mix? Mix? And she has fainted. To her benefit, Abigail did not expect to time travel when she donned the CRAP helmet and the Faraday armor. She expected to steal a fair night's sleep in the laboratory of Dr. Sage whilst the good doctor was away on family business. Curious as to the nature of the so-called sleep recording studies, Abigail let herself into the lab, suited up, and hit the switch as the doctor had shown her. Little did she know that her consciousness would be ripped from her body on a tide of electrical energy and flung through time and space to land in the recently deceased body of one Agrippa Augustus. That poor girl had died of asphyxiation in a mistimed lover's game, and the young man in question had fled the scene. When Abigail came to consciousness in a tangle of bedclothes, she assumed the dream and the rest you already know. Meanwhile, back at King's College, Professor Savant, as is his normal habit when the doctor is away, has stopped by to check in on the lab and ensure Mix Cunningham is not meddling where he is not welcome. Upon discovering the insensible Mix Entwistle, Savant has the only sensible reaction. Oh, my gracious, Mix Entwistle, what have you done? Oh, dear, you've not even connected your plumbing. Oh, judging by the smell, oh... Oh, oh, and that damp patch underneath your form. Oh, you've been here at least a day or so. Oh, I must alert Petra at once. Come at once. Stop. Emergency. Stop. Abigail, in your bedroom. Stop. Abigail, not here. Stop. Petra arrived three hours later and made her way immediately to the college. She would have been there sooner if not for all of the stops. Oh, hello, pet. Come, 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 come. Hello, Erasmus. Tell me. I presume you did not clear Mix and Whistle for travel? Certainly not. You don't think... Yes, I I'm afraid the evidence is clear. She transmigrated at least a day or two ago. Uh, wait, stop. Erasmus, lock the lab door and douse the lights. It would not do to have Cunningham or his goons stumble in whilst I attempt to retrieve Abigail. Oh... Oh, you were not kidding. I'll need to get her cleaned up. Bring a basin of water, won't you, Erasmus? Uh, here you are, pet. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'd I better wait outside. There is no reason to be squeamish, Erasmus. We all evacuate in the same manner. Well, yes, but uh, I am aware 
that those of you in the medical profession have little regard for social propriety when it comes to the naked human form, but I shall be far more comfortable waiting in the outer laboratory. And so Sage tackles the cleanup effort on her own, and in short order has Mix and Twistle's inert form clean and properly plumbed. You may join us now, Professor. We are all decent. Do you have any idea where or when she may have traveled to, Doctor? The Cladney pitch is set to the G, an octave above middle C. This indicates that she's gone back before the turn of the common era, but there's no sand on the table, so I cannot confirm exactly. Why is there no sand? I thought that with the new system, the sand was dropped as part of the automation. It was, but before I got the call from Mother to attend at my father's sickbed, I was trialing a new system using gallium instead of sand. Gallium? The chemical element GA. It has a low melt point, but when cooled, it will dry brittle and precise. I thought I might be able to create a method to make permanent records of the Cladney patterns. If I pour liquid gallium onto the plate, it will migrate into patterns just as the sand does. But then as it cools on the metal, it will harden, granting me greater ability to study the patterns and how they relate to each other. If this new process was not in place. Before McSentwistle took it into her head to try my system for herself? No. So, what should we do? Suit up? We shan't suit up. I will. Uh, I do not think it wise to allow you to venture alone into unknown time. I shall join you. You shan't. There is only one other Faraday suit and CRAP helmet. Oh, the first few times we traveled, we did so without the benefits of your advanced contraptions. I shall simply do the same once again. Now you listen to me, Erasmus Savant. We have no idea where or when Abigail has gone. We do not know if I can even match her trajectory. Now imagine she returns on her own and finds the two of us insensible next to her. With such traumatic experiences, how could she not report immediately to Cunningham, who would promptly remove me from the facility and show me the door? No. Someone must sit vigil here and be prepared to usher Abigail carefully to understanding, in the event that I do not manage to connect with her in the past. I understand. I do not like it. But uh, your reasoning is sound. And so the doctor prepares to travel taking time to finish the installation of the new gallium dispenser for the Cladney device. Once she is satisfied that all is in order, she assumes her place on the platform and initiates the now-familiar sequence. Laboratory of Dr. Petronella Sage, King's College, 15th of March, 1894. My laboratory assistant, Miss Abigail Entwistle, has overstepped her remit and effected transmigration upon her own person, unwitting of the results of her actions. I must now journey into the past in an attempt to reach her. I've mimicked the settings on the Cladney device at G, an octave and a fifth above middle C. I do not know if she struck the prayer bowl to gain the harmonic effect, but I must assume that she did not, because I have not yet added that action into the automatic switch. In order to better preserve and record the Cladney patterns, I have switched the sand for gallium, warmed to a liquid state. The plate itself will begin a cooling process, 2.4 seconds after the tone, capturing the patterns of the conchoidal fractures, which I believe can be analyzed for more specific targeting data. 
Abigail's body has undertaken at least two evacuations of the bowels, so I believe she has been in the transmigratory state for at least 32 hours. There is no way to tell from this end how things are progressing in the past. In order to assure that Abigail does not awaken without guidance, I have asked Professor Savant to keep vigil and be present should I be unsuccessful at connecting with her, or should she predecease me. I should appreciate, dear friend, if you will take notes of my departure and subsequent return. It is a rare opportunity we are afforded here to see what it is like as the transmigration is underway. Of course, Pat. Uh, don't be long, yes? I should be most anxious until you and Mex Entwistle are returned safe and sound. And so the Doctor travels alone on a single-minded retrieval mission. Will she be successful in finding young Abigail in the vast annals of the past? We'll find out after this short musical break. Now, dear friends, we invite you to relax and listen to the electro-swing goodness of Red Light District. Thank you. 
And now, back to our story. When last we saw our heroes, they had divided their forces. The professor is sitting a vigil at the laboratory whilst the doctor transmigrates into the past in an attempt to find Mix Abigail Entwistle and bring her home. Now, dear listeners, I usually make every endeavor to show you all that happens to our travelers, but this time I must draw the line. You see, the doctor arrived in Pompeii at the correct epoch, 79 AD, which is good. Unfortunately, she arrived in a completely different part of the city from that which Abigail haunts. Pompeii is a city of roughly 15,000 people. It covers nearly 687,966 square meters. And the doctor has no idea what the girl she is searching for looks like. For that matter, she has no idea if she is even in female form. All of this adds up to hours of tedious walking, looking, and calling Abigail, Abigail, like a demented loon, which I can assure you gets old quick. No, dear listeners, though misery loves company, I shall spare you the horror of those hours. Suffice it to say that after wandering through the morning, Sage finally stumbles upon a lead to her erstwhile associate. Where is that singing coming from? You, bread merchant, where is that singing coming from? Oh, that can only be the horned ram. No self-respecting establishment would allow such caterwauling. Yes, yes, but where is the horned ram of which you speak? Two lanes over, three houses down. Thank you. And so in the end, it was good old Gilbert and Sullivan we have to thank for our scientific reunion. When the doctor arrives at the house under the sign of the horned ram, what she finds is a scene as old as time. Plentiful wine, pretty half-dressed girls, drunken men, and gambling. A girl with dark hair and big black eyes stands on a table at the end of the bar and bellows lyrics to a song no person in this room could know. I can write a washing pill in Babylonic uniform. And tell you every detail of Caractacuts' uniform. In short, in matters, vegetable, animal, and mineral. I am the very model of a modern major general. Abigail! Abigail, Abigail, it's me, Dr. Sage. Come down, Abigail. I can help you. Come down. Oh, what's that? Abigail, it's me, Dr. Sage. Come down here, let's talk. You are most certainly not my Dr. Sage. Your hair is not gingery and uncombed. Your nose is too large. And you are not in King's College, which is where Dr. Sage is in her laboratory. In her lab. If you would just come down here, I could explain it all. There's nothing to explain. I've had a psychotic break. I'm content. 
No, Mix Entwistle, you have not. Come down here this instant. Mix? Is this old hag bothering you? You're singing one as another amphora of wine. Come, help me drink it. They liked my singing? They liked it when you stopped. Uh, come down. It took a bit more coaching and pleading, but they did eventually manage to get Abigail down from her self-appointed stage. The three repaired to a mostly quiet corner where they could talk in private. You know Mix is mad, don't you? Mad? Oh, yes. Quite off her head. She brings me good luck. She brings you good luck because she is mad. Hey! I resemble that remark. The mad are touched by the gods. I see. Yes. Well, would you mind seeing if the barman might trade this for some food? The corpse that the doctor is occupying is that of an upper-class woman, dead of old age. She had been laid out in her funeral jewelry as the household prepared for her burial. The necklace she has handed to the young thief Hilaria is worth far more than a single meal, but of course, Sage is not worried about that. All she needs is a moment alone with Abigail. Not one to lose an advantage, young Hilaria pockets the gold necklace and pulls forth a few of her own coins as she heads outward on the search for food. Abigail, listen to me. I'm going to say some words that no person of this time or place would be able to know. Cladney, Galvanization, Faraday, C-R-A-P helmets, Cunningham. How do you know those words? No person in this time or place knows those words. Yes, as I said, I am Dr. Petronella Sage. We've both undergone a medically induced transmigration, which transported our consciousness and self-energy, that which the Chinese call the key to ancient times. Which reminds me, where are we exactly? I've been too busy looking for you to take notice. You have been looking for me here in Pompeii. Why would you ever want to join my uh, in my delusion? Pompeii. Huh, Pompeii before the volcano. Fascinating. Oh, Erasmus will be sorry to have missed this. Erasmus? Professor Savant? Miss this? You're not making any sense. Uh, let me explain. A few months ago, in the midst of my galvanization experiment, there was a terrible accident in the laboratory. A water crucible was knocked to the floor, and the two of us were electrocuted. But we did not die. Instead, our conscious minds were flung through space and time to inhabit bodies on the battlefield at Auerstadt. Auerstadt? In Saxony? Yes, in Saxony. But that is not the important bit. The critical thing is that we awoke in bodies not our own. We spoke to each other. We verified beyond a doubt each other's identities. We were killed in battle, and we returned to our own bodies in the lab at King's. You have discovered time travel? Well... Yes, possibly, in a manner of speaking. We've called it transmigration. But when you transmigrate, it's into dead bodies. Yes. We are zombies? Yes, well, no, not exactly. The bodies were dead. Once we inhabit them, they are alive again, for a time. And where are our bodies? 
in the laboratory. And the sleep monitoring apparatus. Is actually designed to keep our own bodies hydrated and fed whilst we travel. We? That is... You do not plan for me. Now, there is someone else. Who travels with you? Professor Savant. But he is neither a galvanist nor a doctor. He was there from the first, and often it is his most specific knowledge that helps us identify where and when we are. That is a lot for me to swallow. Uh, Don't tell me you have swallowed all the wine already. I brought lunch. No, we haven't. I think maybe... I've had enough wine for one day? There is no such thing. Here, let me fill your glasses. And eat up. This food should not go to waste. What was that? Probably Vesuvius. The mountain has been grumbling lately. Nothing to worry about, really. It is too far away to hurt us. I believe that may be a critical misjudgment on your part. I've lost my appetite. Abigail, would you care to step outside with me? Uh, Yes, of course, Doctor. Uh, Hilaria, if you'll excuse us. Mm, Suit yourself. But I don't promise that any of the food will be here when you return. They step out into the street and turn their faces toward the sky to see a black cloud of dust and debris flowing over the city. Turning the midday sun dark. This is not good. We have to warn the people. Abigail, we can't save them. History says that Vesuvius buries Pompeii. There's nowhere to run. They they could get to the shore. Uh, They could get boats and sail far enough out that the destruction cannot reach them. Look, look at the direction that cloud is coming from. There's likely debris field raining down on the boats, and they'll already be withdrawing to avoid catching fire. There must be something we can do. We know, due to the account of Pliny the Younger, that some did get out. His uncle, for example, escaped by tying a pillow to his head and moving in the opposite direction of the debris cloud. But here is the hard truth. You and I need to return to our own bodies in our own time. The best way to accomplish that is to be in the streets when the pyroclastic surge comes through. The heat of that tephra current will kill us instantly, allowing our minds to return to our bodies at home. You just let these people die. You will let Hilaria die. I cannot save them. But why? We have greater scientific knowledge. We have more tools. We we know things they don't. Surely there is something we can do. There are scientific advances that could help, but only after fabrication. It might be possible to shelter in some sort of basement or subterranean structure, but that would only delay the inevitable. Buried under tons of ash, anyone who did survive the pyroclasm would simply die from lack of air. So what use is this transmigration of yours? You cannot change anything. You cannot help anyone. Why would you put yourself through death after death for nothing? Look at what we can learn. Our memories stay with us. We are seeing the death of Pompeii firsthand. We are uncovering the mysteries that science can only speculate about. If Erasmus were here, he would tell you how his observations have already strengthened his scholarship and even led to refuting erroneous conclusions. Scholarship? Are you trying to convince me that not helping these people is okay because of scholarship? 
And I thought Cunningham was cold. And with that, Mix Abigail Entwistle stormed back into the tavern to try and convince her new friend to flee the impending danger. Not knowing what else to do, Dr. Sage followed. Valeria, put down that questionable meat, grab a cushion, and follow me. Oh, Mix, are you a follower of Sappho? I did not take you for the time. Yes! What? No! Hilaria, you are in danger. The cushion is to protect your head from falling rock and debris. Vesuvius is blown, it will bury the city. Come outside and look. All right, all right. Don't get your toga in a twist. The girl stands and crosses to the door as Abigail collects cushions and follows behind her. Do you see? We must try to leave the city. Get to the fields, try to outpace the encroaching doom. I will admit, it looks worse than I have ever seen. But still, it's only ash and small pep... Ah! Give me that and come on! As falling rocks and ash pelt them, the three women tie the cushions onto their heads and dash through the streets. More and more of the citizens are realizing the gravity of the situation, and the streets rapidly become clogged with masses of panicking people. They fight their way upstream, but you and I know, dear listeners, that is a losing battle. Hilaria, wait! This isn't working! Hilaria, stop! Let her go, Abigail. Her destiny and yours follow different paths. But you don't understand... On my first day here, I was so hungry, I stole some bread. Someone saw me, they were chasing me. They would have caught me and executed me if it weren't for Hilaria. She saved me. I can't just let her die. I do understand. In December, we traveled to Renaissance-era Napoli. The body I claimed had a handsome husband and a child. We were together for nearly a month. And then he died. This is why you are so quiet after winter break. It was a terrible blow to lose Marsilio, but I could no more save him from the earthquake in Napoli than you can save Hilaria from Vesuvius. Some things are just larger than we are. And when the pyroclasm claims this city, we will leave it and will return to our own place and time. Hilaria and all her neighbors, including these bodies we inhabit, will lay under a tomb of ash for 1,500 years. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Well, I don't like it. None of us like it, young Abigail. Yet until the doctor manages to perfect her knowledge in the science of transmigration, these little tragedies will play out again and again, and interruptions to her genuine research like your little excursion don't help matters. Wait, uh, is this thing on? <clears throat> yes. And so, dear listeners, the doctor convinced Mix Entwistle to shelter in a portico with her and await the inevitable. We shall leave them here, in the dying moments of a legendary city, and pause for a word from our sponsor. Steampunk is all about gears and mechanical devices. And for Steamy Tech, those gears have to work. They manufacture beautiful, working, laser-cut gears and use them to make jewelry, 
coasters, accessories, and other pieces of kinetic art. Steamy Tech kinetic items are all available either in a finished stain form ready to use and display or as kits for the DIYers. If you're looking for the most amazing addition to any costume or decor, a Steamy Tech piece will provide the perfect finish. New for 2017, Maker Nights. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, join the Steamy Tech crew at a local restaurant or bar and build something kinetic. It's a great way to make something cool with your friends. You can find the entire collection of gears that move and steampunk kinetic art at steamytech.com. Yes, dear friends, you heard it here. Steamy Tech is the place for gears that move. And now, back to our show. When we left our doctor, she was huddled in a portico with her young companion, awaiting the final cataclysm in Pompeii. As previously noted... History happened, and the two women awaken on the laboratory tables back at King's College. Abigail, are you all right? I think so. Oh, Petra, you found her. I'm glad to see you both back safe and sound. I may be safe, but I do not feel sound. Oh, that is all right, dear. I felt that way at first. It takes some getting used to this transmigrating. I do not intend on getting used to it. I shall never do that again. And neither should you. Oh, don't say that, Abigail. Think of what we can learn from the past, not to mention the future. Don't tell me you've travelled to the future. This is worse than I thought. Erasmus... Will you give us girls a moment to clean up and dress? There's a dear. What have I said? Is she inebriated? I'm sure it's just residual effects. We'll talk in a moment. Abigail, don't mind Erasmus. His enthusiasms can get the best of him on occasion. He means no harm. I do not believe that any of this is meant harmfully, but that doesn't mean your transmigration is harmless. You are right. This is why I've kept the discovery secret for now. Until I better understand what I'm dealing with, we should not expose the greater scientific community to the knowledge of what is possible. (laughs) You kept this secret from Max Cunningham for his own safety. You know how men can be so eager for scientific notoriety and acclaim. We absolutely cannot let this technology out of this laboratory until I understand its complete parameters. And what if you come to understand the dangers outweigh the benefits? Then I shall destroy all of my research and move on. Here, dear, let me help you take off the Faraday suit. What is all this? I did not have these tubes in place before. This is part of my life support system. We were once trapped in the past for nearly a week before I developed it. Our bodies were severely dehydrated when we returned. That trip scared us badly, and I set up this system to ensure that that would not happen again. The pair dressed and joined the professor in the outer laboratory. Now there, you look more yourself, Mix and Twistle. I do not feel myself. Oh, that passes. I've come to think quite fondly of our various selves. I have happy memories of when I was a pirate, for example. A pirate? Yes, uh, well, there will be plenty of time for us to regale you with stories of our exploits if you wish, Abigail. For now, let's just leave it with gratitude that we are home safe in the arms of kings once again, shall we? 
I suppose. Will you do me one favor, Abigail? Will you promise not to breathe a word of what you've learned until I have the chance to share the entirety of my research with you? Then, once you understand the full scope of what I'm doing, I shall abide by your judgment if the college need be informed or not. I don't like it, but it would be unwise of me to report to Mexicanium with anything less than complete information. So yes, I'll keep my silence for now. So if you'll excuse me? Of course. Do you think she will abide by that? I do. She is an honorable young woman. I must think of a way to impress upon her the urgency of the need for secrecy. Oh, I'm sure you'll think of something, Pet. Now, would you like to hear my observations of your bodies under the process of transmigration? <gasps> oh, yes, do tell. And so we will leave our scientists here, as nothing they say at this juncture will have any real interest for us. We can always distill this conversation at a later date. Should there be a later date? If Mixentwistle reviews the doctor's research but remains unconvinced as to the need for secrecy, she could tell Cunningham and bring an end to the adventures of Sage and Savant. Will this happen? Tune in next month to find out. The Tales of Sage and Savant is a Twin Star production brought to you on the first of each month from our Southern California studios. Starring Eddie Louise as Sage, Chip Michael as Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Abigail, and Justin Bremer as the narrator. Special guest in this episode was Anne-Marie Gomez. Episode 10, The Accidental Tourist, was written by Eddie Louise. Are you interested in the historical information we included in this episode? Go to our website for the complete bibliography. Theme music, sound design, and audio engineering by Chip Michael. Our special musical guest in this episode was Red Light District. Find them on Bandcamp.com or check out their Facebook page at Facebook.com slash RLDBand. Our episode sponsor was Steamy Tech, building old world-inspired art with modern technology. Catch our website at SageAndSavant.com and like us on Facebook to stay current with all things Sage and Savant. And remember, death is no barrier to science.